Welcome, 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 you guys. Welcome back to Unwatchable. My name is Chloe Rodriguez. I am your host. We have a really great episode for you today. Today's episode is all about the amazing animated show, King of the Hill, created by Mike Judge and Greg Daniels. King of the Hill premiered in January of 1997 and officially aired its last episode in May of 2010. This is a show that I grew up watching, and I thought it would be a wonderful topic for today's podcast because it's so different from other animated sitcoms that I've seen, especially different from the sitcoms that were airing around the same time period. It maintained a consistent tone of realism throughout its run, which is highly unusual, and I thought it would be a great show to use as an example of character-based comedy. And I was lucky enough to get two amazing guests for today's episode. I'm so thrilled to announce that this was done in collaboration with Amy and Jackie from a King of the Hill-centric podcast, Ho Yeah Pod. They go through every episode of King of the Hill and recap it. And they were just amazing to have on, so I will be throwing to that segment in just a few minutes. You might notice that the audio for that part is a little bit different because we recorded it via Zoom, so that's coming up later in the podcast. But before we talk to them, I wanted to talk a little bit about King of the Hill as a series overall. To fully understand the concept of King of the Hill, we first have to take a look at the man who originally conceived of this idea, Mike Judge. Mike Judge is a writer, an animator, a voice actor. He's best known for his work on Beavis and Butthead, the movies Office Space and Idiocracy, Silicon Valley, and of course, King of the Hill. A 2017 New York Times Magazine feature describes Mike Judge as the bard of suck and says, from idiocracy to Silicon Valley, the writer and director has established himself as America's foremost chronicler of its own self-destructive tendencies. Which is something that you can see throughout Mike Judge's work. Office Space focuses on how awful it is to work in an office. Both Beavis and Butthead and Idiocracy focus on the seemingly widespread epidemic of stupidity in America and the consequences of that stupidity. Likewise, King of the Hill was conceived as an idea that would focus on Hank Hill, a conservative, traditionally-minded, all-American propane salesman, struggling to maintain his sanity as his ideals often clash with the people around him. The show was set in Arlen, Texas, a fictionalized town based loosely off of a Texas suburb that Mike Judge grew up in. In true Mike Judge fashion, most of the comedy is derived from picking apart mundane facets of everyday life and focusing on realism and character development. And a lot of this character development can be contributed to the co-creator of King of the Hill, Greg Daniels. Now, we've talked about Greg Daniels on this podcast before. I talked about him in my special series episode, The Day the Office Became Unwatchable. I highly recommend that episode if you haven't checked it out yet. But in that episode, we talked about how Greg Daniels is known for being able to create characters that are simultaneously realistic, compelling, and have room for development and growth. So in 1995, when Mike Judge originally pitched his concept 
for King of the Hill. He wrote the script. He drew up concept art for the characters, and he really had his idea begin to flesh out. And while that was happening, Fox asked him to bring on Greg Daniels as a co-creator so that he could help point the series in the direction of character development. And that's actually something that's very unique about King of the Hill that you don't see in a lot of other shows. King of the Hill is a rare example of an animated series that lets its characters grow, lets a lot of them even age, which is something that Amy and Jackie and I talk about a little bit more later in this episode. We talk a little bit more about the characters who we personally feel developed the most, either personality-wise or situationally. And a big reason that King of the Hill is able to do this so successfully is that this is a show that relies so heavily on the audience understanding and knowing the characters in order to reach its highest comedic potential. While there are a few examples of maybe some more outlandish situations that the characters get themselves in, ultimately most of the comedy is derived from the characters themselves. And I think the best way to illustrate this is by comparing King of the Hill to its two major competitors that were airing on the same network at the same time, Family Guy and The Simpsons. Now, Family Guy is an animation-driven show. I mean, just the fact that it has a talking dog and a talking baby as two of their main characters shows that this is not something that could be done as a live-action show. Their use of cutaways, visual recurring gags like... uh, Peter constantly being beaten to near death by that chicken randomly every few episodes. They have episodes that include supernatural elements and time travel. It's far more surreal, not grounded in reality, strictly speaking. And the characters don't necessarily develop or learn new lessons as the series goes on. Likewise, The Simpsons features gags that can also mainly be done through animation, And while The Simpsons does focus more on realism and the relationship between their five main characters in the family unit, those characters might learn a lesson throughout the course of the episode, but they don't necessarily grow and change throughout the course of the series. There are a lot of episodes where Lisa and Homer are butting heads because they're completely different people. And ultimately, at the end of the episode, they learn to find some common ground and really love and appreciate each other. But the next season, they'll have an episode with the exact same kind of conflict. This isn't a relationship that really grows and changes throughout the course of the series. Not to mention that the show has been on for over 30 years, and Bart Simpson is still 10 years old. This resistance to growth and development is not a detriment to these shows. It's just a conscious decision by the creators. King of the Hill chose to do something completely out of left field for an animated show. It chose to not play into the concept of stylized animation, it chose to ground itself firmly in reality, and it chose to develop character arcs that are consistent throughout most of the 13 seasons it was on the air. For example, Peggy choosing to change careers. She goes from being a substitute teacher to a journalist to a realtor. Bobby and his friends are aged up a little bit throughout the course of the show. Nancy Gribble chooses to end an affair that was a long-running gag throughout the course of the series. Then she picks it up again, then she ends it. Luann goes through school and moves out on her own and gets married and has a child. 
Generally speaking, in an animated series, this would be something that maybe happens in one or two episodes until something changes, those character developments are done away with, and ultimately we go back to the homeostasis of the series. Which is what makes King of the Hill so fascinating and so different and so character-driven. I found a 2015 article from Vulture that I think hits the nail on the head. They said, None of the best comedies on TV would exist without King of the Hill. There's a growing trend in the comedies on television where a careful, respectful approach that caters towards character-driven comedy is exactly what people want. Series like The Good Place, Silicon Valley, or Brooklyn Nine-Nine may go to extremely crazy places, but they ultimately all come down to their characters and creating a real feeling of community with their comedy. And I think that rings true. I think modern sitcoms have shifted as opposed to the original era of sitcoms with shows like I Love Lucy that were mainly about slapstick comedy and outlandish scenarios, I think audiences are becoming more drawn to character-driven pieces where they can really see a group of people develop and grow and change along with the audience as they watch. And that's why I wanted to have Amy and Jackie on and go over the characters from King of the Hill. The ones that we like, the ones that we don't like, the ones that are controversial, and who we ultimately think develops the most throughout the course of the series. So let's go to my conversation with Amy and Jackie from Ho Yeah. I love talking to them, and I hope you enjoy. All right. Um, so thank you guys so much for agreeing to come on. Thank you I'm, for having us. Yes. I'm so excited. Um, and you guys host your own King of the Hill podcast called the Ho Yeah Podcast. Yeah. Yes, yes indeed. Yeah. <laughs> Which is such a great subject for a podcast because I feel like King of the Hill was such an underrated show for such a long time. And I think now that it's been back on streaming, it, it's starting to pick up a little more speed and people are making memes out of it. It's getting like a lot more popular on the internet. But it's still not a show that like a lot of people talk about all the time. And I'm so glad you guys are bringing some attention to it. Yeah, I, um, you know, I, we mentioned this in one of our episodes, Jackie and I mentioned how, you know, I had said when it first came out, I was, I was too young to understand King of the Hill. And I, you know, I think that a lot of people didn't really get the humor at the time, but since it was, it it started coming back on Adult Swim. They would play a couple of episodes. And that's how I kind of got back into it when I was a little bit older. I was like a teenager or early 20s. I was like, oh, this show is actually really funny. And then it got picked up by Netflix for a little while and then Hulu. And when it was on Netflix, I would just, I binge watched it. Like every day I would come home and I would just watch it, watch it, watch it. And then it was gone all of a sudden. And finally Hulu picked it up. And I think from it being on Hulu, I think that has really caused like the the upsurge in people who really love the show and um, who appreciate it. I think that most of people, they're probably around our age, they're late 20s, mid 20s and 30s, early 30s. Mm -hmm. I think that's kind of the age group. And I think we can all appreciate the humor a little bit more now that we're older and we can actually like, okay, I get what they're joking about it is still not a show people think about. I mean, it's over 20 years old and I do mm -hmm. love the reaction I get if I ever mention, oh, I have a podcast and people people hear podcasts and they're like, oh, wow, what's it about? And I'm like, 
it's about King of the Hill. And they're like, whoa, uh, I did, I haven't thought about that show in 20 years. <laughs> I love that the reaction. It's always a little bit confused and like, wow, okay. Woo. Um, so today's episode, um, I'm talking a lot about characters because a lot of the humor in King of the Hill is so character based, especially as the seasons go on because the characters are, they, they play everything so straight. So you really have to like get to know the characters to like fully appreciate the humor of it. I think King of the Hill overall does a great job of giving its characters flaws for sure, but also like sympathetic qualities. Like even, even Cotton, even a character who's terrible, he still gets some redeeming episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, you still kind of get a background into like why he is the way that he is. And I think they pretty much do that across the board for their characters. Um, It's such a a character driven show. And the more you watch it, like the funnier it becomes because you really get to understand the relationship between everyone, all of their different dynamics, who everyone is and why. Um, And that's just why this show fascinates me as a character study, because that's, it's not necessarily, even though they do have some crazy storylines, it's not about being as like cartoony as possible. It's a cartoon, it's an animated show that tries to be as real life as possible. Mm-hmm. And they do that with their characters. And that's just, that's just so different to me. Yeah. yeah it's very subtle, a lot of dry humor, um, even uh when we talked to Wes Archer, he was saying that one of the kind of challenges for the animators was making the characters react in ways that were not super cartoony, that were more realistic and, and, um, and it's still able to be really, really funny. And then when it does have those goofy moments, it just, it's just like so funny. And Mm -hmm. well, I think that it having that subtlety of the reactions, I think that's what makes it, even funnier than, you know, other uh, cartoon shows, like adult cartoon shows. A facial expression from Hank, just a very subtle one. I feel like it portrays so much, whereas like, the you know, those crazy open wide screaming mouths or like their eyes bugging out or something. It adds so much more to it because they just seem so more realistic. And then, like you said, Jackie, when you do have those kind of wild moments, they're still not so out there that you couldn't actually see these things happening in real life. Whereas some yeah. cartoons, it's just like, okay, that's never going to happen. Like these things <laughs> would not happen. And I love this show too, because there are so many characters and all the characters are so different. And you would think like, there's so much going on. What more could you squeeze in? But they still put in all this really funny, subtle background stuff. There are like little tiny recurring characters that we see throughout the series. Like, um, uh, Monsignor Martinez or um uh, oh my god oh, Chuck Biggioni <laughs> I was just about to say his name and then it like left my mind but Jackie mimed uh playing a whatever that is I can't remember Chuck Mangione I said she became Chuck Mangione yeah like a fedora appeared and then I like grew a beard um yeah just like there's no reason for like those little extra things to be in there and like Chuck Mangione like of all the things like to create a 
this character based on a real person, but he like <laughs> mainly like is the spokesperson for Megalomar. It's just like so funny. <laughs> like like what brilliant. It's, yeah, it's it's great. So why don't we talk about um our our personal favorites and then our, our least favorite characters. Uh for favorite characters, I mean Peggy. I love Peggy. And I used to not like her. I used to be Same. one of the ones who didn't like her. I was like, God, she's so annoying and she mm-hmm. ruins everything. Like I I get <laughs> I get the annoyance with Peggy and I don't think that she's perfect, right? But um she has come to be one of my all-time favorite characters because she is fucking hysterical and Kathy McKimmy is like a voice actor to the gods she just (laughs) does Peggy like chef's kiss um of course I love Hank you know as infuriating as he can be he's still you know like the most level-headed out of all of them (laughs) he really is I I have to say uh just talking about Hank I think one of your uh, one of your topics that you brought up when we were emailing back and forth or, or messaging back and forth was just talking about like growth we've seen in characters on the show. And I feel like with Hank, I've seen the most growth with him. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's because the show is centered around him. So maybe we don't see it as much with some other characters. But I mean, some of those early episodes, he I mean, you hang his underwear outside and he is <laughs> mortified. But then in later episodes, he's putting on a woman's dress and speaking in a high pitched voice just to like do therapy with Bill because he's <laughs> having a disassociative like episode. Uh, and um, yeah. I was just like, wow, season one, Hank would never be able to do this. Oh no. Oh no. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He would yeah, just be I, like, I'm going to kick your ass, Bill. And that's it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, I interrupted you. To you loosen up. Oh no, sorry. I interrupted sorry. you. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. (laughs) No, 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 no. I apologize. Shut up. (laughs) (laughs) Whoa. Blanket statement. We're all apologetic. We can all agree that we're sorry. Yes. Okay. (laughs) We're just so excited about the show. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I think they had to loosen up his character a little bit to get some storylines to work because if they if they just had him so strict with his uh standards and like what he will and won't do they would have had no leeway for how they can resolve any plots right <laughs> or all end with him yelling at people right yeah. or him breaking the law god knows how many times yeah. <laughs> so many times for him yes yes, yes absolutely <laughs> just talking about characters that people like and people don't like and and people maybe getting the humor or not getting the humor the way we understand it it Cotton Hill is one of those characters that comes up a lot because this is a character that is an abusive person, uh, like mm-hmm. an uh, extremely abu- abusive to his wife, Tilly, abusive to his son, Hank, unapologetically so. He never really learns any lessons. He's just horrible to Peggy. And this is a character that is celebrated in the fandom by i i would say the majority of the fandom they just look at him like what a badass he killed 50 men you know um <laughs> he doesn't put up with shit right uh and but this is a horrible horrible person <laughs> this is just bad uh so we don't care for him yeah cotton 
no, but <laughs> so, and in one of our episodes, I asked Jackie, I said, like, are we being hypocrites by hating so hard on cotton, but like being upset when people hate on Peggy? And then we decided, no, we're not. <laughs> we came to the, like, of we course. Made the executive decision that we were correct. We yeah. did an internal review and we found no problems. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Cotton, I, I understand his his role in the show. You know, he is he he is a the, the complete opposite of Hank, and to have mm-hmm. him as a father, like that's really shaped Hank's way of life and his views um but i still don't like him because he's an abusive character and 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 i don't know why we're super into him killing 50 men i don't know why that's such a great thing i, I get it it was during the war but ah that that is not something that i'd be like i killed 50 men suck it <laughs> you know i know i get like celebrating people that have fought for our country and, and all of that and, and honoring them. But then like, this is, I th- in my mind, this is separate from that. Like, I think you can celebrate somebody defending our country um, and fighting for our freedom, but it's just all about him killing fitty men. And yeah, that's when I'm just like, <laughs> why should that be celebrated? Why is that right? the best part? I don't know. So yeah, I just generally don't like cotton. I I never did either, and I think it, you know I just don't like somebody yelling constantly. I don't know, he's <laughs> always yelling. Um, but I, I on the topic of like characters that people you would think that people wouldn't like that I would suspect that I wouldn't like because they're scumbags would be like Buck Strickland and Principal Moss. But I love both of those characters. <laughs> I was thinking about that too. I was like, why I like Buck. But he's, he treats women horribly, and he's a scumbag, and he has literally tried to frame Hank for murder, (laughs) Hank, who is nothing but loyal to him. Why do I not mind him? But there's something about Buck where nothing, it doesn't seem specific to women, his mistreatment of the people around him. It just feels, none of it ever feels personal. He's Mm -hmm. just Mm -hmm. focused on like what can I how can I come out of this like on top yeah like what's going to work out best for me so in that way it doesn't feel very pointed towards any one character or group right um which in some weird way feels very fair but (laughs) (laughs) um unlike uh Cotton which I think he maybe is a little bit more misogynistic than equally in in a weird way in a weird way Mm -hmm. yeah I think the interesting thing about Cotton is that it might be an example of like the vocal performance kind of informing how people feel about the character because I think like I just think the way that he says everything like his delivery is so good and I think like even though he's like a terrible person really plays into um the humor of it like when he says like Fiddyman no like it's yeah (laughs) it's just so fun to say okay Toby Huss, that is. Yeah, I was going to say, I think that's Toby Huss. And it's interesting, we had Wes Archer on the show who was um, like a director of animation um, and he helped kind of shape what the characters were going to look like. And when he was talking about Cotton, I think Cotton was partly inspired by what a dried up prune 
<laughs> like what he looked like, just like scrunched up and like dried and like he barely has eyes. Yeah, beady eyes. Beady mm-hmm. eyes, yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Yep. But I think, um, I think because Cotton is also like my least favorite character or one of them. Um, however, I do enjoy like the rare episodes that we get where he does get a level of redemption, uh, like the Ludafisk episode, Mm -hmm. um, where he kind of takes the fall for Bobby. The Mm -hmm. moments that he has with Bobby, those are really nice, because, like, he genuinely, like, Bobby's, like, the one character he genuinely, like, acts like he cares about. Yeah, and is Um, kind to. Yes, and you get to see, like, a different side of him, which is great, because I think a lot of times he is just, like, kind of a one-note, like, asshole character. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also the episode where he helps um, Peggy with her, um, like, physical fitness when she's recovering yeah. from her plane accident. I love the interactions between Peggy and Cotton in general. I think yeah. that those... I, I'm not a huge fan of Cotton episodes, but when he's paired with Peggy, I'm like, I can get behind this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I think that's why Peggy is such a badass because I think that's why that pairing is so great because she is such a badass and she's not going to, like, take any shit. She's just, like, always willing to be very self-righteous and Mm -hmm. (laughs) she doesn't have a lot of space to consider the possibility that she could be wrong about something. So it's, like, a nice, like, uh, car crash of personalities (laughs) yeah absolutely why don't we uh get into talking about peggy since we're all all three of us are very passionate about her as a character all right let me just go ahead and get near a table so when i need to flip it i'll be ready (laughs) i was just gonna punch the computer screen (laughs) so if this all like ends you'll know why i'm gonna pound on my desk throughout this (laughs) I'm very excited to talk about her. I was very happy when I found out that you guys were a pro Peggy podcast um, because she is a character that probably gets the most hate out of anybody else on the show. Is the far. internet does not like Peggy Hill? No, no. <laughs> um, which is so strange to me because compared to like characters like Buck Strickland or Cotton. She's relative. She does do a lot of like fucked up stuff, but she's not. Uh, she doesn't have bad intentions right. generally, um, which is why I find her to be such an interesting character. I think she's possibly the most well written and like well developed characters on the show because she's so different than the typical like mom archetype character that we're used to seeing, mm-hmm. um, and she's very complex because she is she's very narcissistic and her viewpoint of herself does not match at all the viewpoint that other people have for her or the viewpoint that we as a viewer would have for her um and that's just why she's my favorite character i think she's just fascinating and gets some of the best storylines on the show yeah i think people mention how she used bill and that and pyramid scheme mlm uh Mm -hmm. with the the bars the energy bars she used him because he was good and then she you know kind of treated him like shit and you know of course that wasn't like a it was a gross way for peggy to act but in the end she does say like i you're my friend and i can't treat you like this just to like make money 
you know, so she, she comes to her senses almost every single time she does something shitty. You know, mm-hmm. she gets overwhelmed with her, like, need to succeed and prove herself. And then she does understand, I fucked up, and now I got to fix this and also apologize for it. She has flaws. She's, right. She's flawed. And, yeah, I, th- I mean, I used to not be able to stand her either. And, and as I've gotten older, I've come to really appreciate seeing a woman who is – even if a woman who's confident and self-assured, um, Chloe, something you said earlier, I took a screenshot of this article that somebody posted on our Facebook group, our Hoya Facebook group, and I can't remember the title of it now, but I, I will find it. But it was just um, talking about Peggy as a character, and it was comparing her to other uh, cartoon wives, and it was just saying that, um, I thought it made some really good points, it was just saying that, um, Peggy is unlike any other sitcom mother, never sexualized except for her giant feet. Um, uh, she's a dilettante determined to the point of delusion. She has zero self-doubt. Um, and unlike Hank, zero shame. She's the polar opposite of March Simpson, uh, the Marge Simpson-style housewife. Viewers would expect a, char- a character like Hank to be married to. Peggy rarely attracts Hank's ire despite sharing so much in common with those who do. Peggy knows herself and Hank respects that. In many ways, her asexuality and brash machismo makes her the confident and accepting father figure Hank secretly aspires to be. And when Bobby's da- when Bobby downs Hank in his nut-kicking rampage, it's Peggy that stands up to him saying, I believe you will find that I have no testicles. Where's your secret weapon now, huh? <laughs> and I just thought that was such a good nutshell of like what makes her amazing and unique and different. And I get that she can be unlikable, but when I look at some of the stuff people, uh, most of the King of the Hill groups that I've followed, mm. I would say most of the conversations are about Peggy and it'll usually be someone who's like, I get that she's annoying, but why does everyone hate her? And there will just be like a thousand comments about, not just about like, oh, she did this wrong and she did that wrong, but straight up like she's the worst and like she, like Hank should cheat on her and I wish she was dead. And there are people who will straight up be like, I hate her so much. She reminds me of my mother. So then it's like, all right, well, it sounds like that's a you issue, maybe like you have issues with your mother and (laughs) people will name every reason why she's a horrible character. And then there, uh, I can't help myself sometimes. And I'll just be like, well, you know that I mean, I love Dale, but you know that he has literally, like, tried to kill people and, like, left people for dead and tried to drink Hank's blood. Like, you understand that, right? (laughs) And that's not – no one wants to hear that because they don't really hate her for those reasons. They have their own weird, I believe, sexist, misogynistic personal issues. And it's it's, like, so extreme, the hate. It's Mm -hmm. crazy. Yeah, I actually wrote down some examples of some uh, internet comments I found about her that are... This is the table flipping Okay, moment. here, I, I got the table <laughs> this in is, my hands. I'm ready. This is when I punch things. <laughs> I mean, first off, that, that was a great article, by the way, that you shared about uh, comparing her to other sitcom mothers. I, mm-hmm. I love that. Um, here are some of the comments I found about her. A lot of these are pulled from Reddit. Um, and just some other fan forums for the show <gasps> that I found. Reddit. Um, oh. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Reddit is definitely where you want to go for Peggy Hill. Uh, these go from bad to worse. <laughs> uh, first one. 
She tries to be the center of attention, thinking she knows everything. Okay, that's the main place of her, of her character. I'll give them that. She is literally the reason I don't watch the show and the reason that so many other people have become turned off by King of the Hill. Okay, weak. personal opinion. Yeah. You're weak then. You're a weak person. <laughs> this one, this one. Uh, she is my least favorite character of all time. Holy crap. How does Hank manage with that know-it-all snob? Mm. Okay. And okay. this last one, this is going to be the table flipper right here. I love the episode where she falls out of the plane. When she was emotionally broken after that, I was so happy. She was more humble that way. I can't believe Cotton helped her. That is somebody who has a lot of pain inside of them. And they hate women. Yes. I know. Going off about a fictitious character with so much hatred. They need her to be knocked down. Peg, pun intended. <laughs> it is just, it's just so clear that it is because Peggy is a confident, loud, attention-seeking, yeah. unapologetic woman. It's just so clear. <laughs> like, Absolutely. There's, there's many other characters on that show that have done morally reprehensible things, and they are the men on the show, and they're celebrated. So it, it just seems to me, maybe people can say all day long that that's not the reason why they don't like her, but I just don't believe you. I just don't <laughs> believe you. <laughs> it doesn't, that's the only thing that makes the most sense to me. Yeah. Yeah. And I think um, something that I, I was thinking about earlier when you were mentioning the episode uh, with her and Bill uh, with like the multi-level marketing thing, um, a lot of hate that I was seeing for her also had to do with her treatment of Bill. And it kind of made me, to me, that was a little misogynistic because I was thinking like, okay, so people are angry at her for like her constant mistreatment. Yes, she's not like super nice to him. And maybe I'm biased because Bill is like not my favorite character in the world. But I didn't really see anything about him like constantly making comments about her. Like, like she's a married woman who he's clearly like going after and no one seems Stalking. to have a problem with yes and exactly. no one seems to have a problem with that i right. don't understand right yeah bill has stalked their family before he has entered their home when hank wasn't there when it was just peggy and luann he has entered their home he kept a key uh, uninvited. He goes through their trash. trash. He stole the body cast of Peggy. Oh, yeah. I forgot about and that. And he, like, played boggle with it. Yeah. With, with a framed picture of her on top of it. Like, he's genuinely incredibly creepy, when it, especially when it comes to Peggy. And you're right. Nobody ever really talks about those things because it's seen as, like, a funny, desperate, pathetic man. But it's actually like, if this if this were real life, that would be a call to the police. The police, yes, have a oh, yeah. um, no contact order against him <laughs> ASAP. In addition to that, and I think Amy, you made this point. Dale treats him way worse. Mm-hmm. Other people definitely treat him way worse. Dale, especially, uh, more so than maybe anyone else. And yeah, no he- one- has a problem with that he never stops shitting on bill there's very few times 
where he says something nice to Bill. Like there's a, there's like a, I can think of a couple times, like he's like, Hey, have you been working out? You look really good. You know, he has a couple of nice comments to Bill, but in general, he's incredibly insulting towards him. He is constantly putting him down and he has, he has even suggested when in pretty, pretty dresses, when Bill is having his mental breakdown, he has suggested like, why don't we just leave some guns laying around? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Advocating for Bill to die by suicide. Can you imagine if Peggy said that? Right. Oh, the God. day. Peggy avoids Bill for the most part because he's a creep. So she avoids him completely. She's not outright nasty to him except for in that one particular episode. Whereas we have multiple, multiple, multiple episodes and evidence of Dale treating Bill like trash. Mm-hmm. And I have to go back to the point, has Peggy ever once tried to drink anyone's blood? <laughs> <laughs> no. No. She's done a lot of stuff, but that was not, not one of those things. Has not done that. <laughs> also, I think um, if she were to be overtly kind to Bill, I, I think he would read that as her caring a little too much and would think that he has some sort of a chance with her. Uh, so it's really for her own protection. Right, right. Yeah, I get, okay, I get exactly what you're saying. Like, you know, if you're, it's almost like if a, there's <laughs> recently, oh. if somebody, if a man that you're not interested in has given you a gift and you take it that like, because you feel like you're being nice by being like, okay, thank you. It kind of gives them uh well, I gave you a gift and you took it. So, you know, shouldn't you be like interested in me? Whereas if you're outright like, no, thank you. I'm not interested, but I appreciate the gesture. No, thank you. Then it's kind of like reinforcing that into their head. Like, leave me alone. I, I, I don't want to owe anything to you. And maybe that's the same thing with Bill. But now you're a bitch. Right, exactly. Now you're an asshole. So Peggy's an asshole because she's just outright like, no, with Bill. Like, uh uh-uh, no. Yeah, I think people have more sympathy for uh, the rejected man than the creeped out woman. (laughs) Oh, yes. You are so right. Oh, my God. Nailed it. You nailed it. I'm writing that down. Yes. (laughs) You can quote me on this. I'm putting that on a post-it right now. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my. Yeah, absolutely. You're right. Way more sympathy for the rejected male than the creeped out female because (laughs) they deserve they deserve it. It's you know? rude. It's rude, rude to reject someone. Of course. You'll hurt their feelings. Uh. Yeah, their feelings are more important than your autonomy. Uh. <laughs> exactly. And safety. Yeah. And Peggy, Peggy is definitely a Slytherin and uh, will do whatever it takes to get right what on. she wants. So. Right on. Amy's a Slytherin. I, oh my God. Are we going to like tell, okay, who, what house are they all in? <laughs> That's for another oh episode, but we're doing that. We are Ooh, doing that. We should do a Patreon. Yeah! Chloe, are you coming? Yes. Oh, absolutely. I'm a, I'm a Hufflepuff. I'm Yay! Really into Harry Potter. Uh, so, yeah, if you want me to help you discern who is who in the Harry Potter uh, house, I will, I will gladly join. Ooh. That is, yeah, yeah, yeah I want that. We <laughs> yes. want that. Yes, 100%. I'm oh, that on a note as well. <laughs> yes. Um, and before we move on, I just wanted to go through um, for people who are maybe interested in getting on the Peggy bandwagon, mm-hmm. like we are. Um, 
I wanted to give some suggestions for some Ooh. great uh, storylines that Peggy has. Ooh, great, great I idea. I literally just got goosebumps. I know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> That's surprising. Sorry. The first episode that I ever saw of this show was the one where she kidnaps uh, Lupe, the, oh. the girl from Mexico. Yes. <laughs> is, is that Lupe's Revenge? Is that yes, the name of that is, that is the name of it. Uh, I, that, and that is one where it's like, okay, Peggy, come on, come on. <laughs> yeah. Now, <Wow>. yeah. <laughs> the one where she is sneaking cocaine into <laughs> prison. <laughs> for, for Wesley Archer, the, the prisoner. Yeah, uh, that... That uh, character, his image is based on Wes Archer. Yeah. My, my all-time favorite Peggy Hill episode is the one where she accidentally does foot porn. I mean... Oh, I know! That is the quintessential Peggy Hill episode. She's so naive that entire episode, and then, oh, she just gets... Talk about people who wanting wanting her to get, like, knocked down. Like, that episode, for sure, she was so mortified when she found out what it was really about. I yes. know. The scene between her and Bobby is so oh. sweet at the end of that one. Like, the, that's the great thing about this show is, like, as ridiculous as it can be, I think, um, I think the really great episodes are the moments where there's, like, some genuine, like, emotional, like, moments between characters. And that's a great one. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I love that scene between Peggy and Bobby, uh, you know, when he's telling her, He's like, Mom, aren't you going to do any more of those videos? And she's like, no, I'm never doing that again. And, you know, she was, she says something like, they were just using me. And he's like, oh, well, that's terrible. And he, she's like, oh, you wouldn't understand. And he's like, Mom, I get it. I'm fat. And he's like, but I'm funny and I've got a girlfriend and I'm going to go shoot her with a super soaker. What are you going to do? <laughs> I just, I love that, that little moment of one, you see how great Bobby is and how confident he will always be and then he like instills this confidence into Peggy that she's you know his, his own mother he's a 12 year old 13 year old boy and he's able to like help his own mom build some confidence of her own yeah he's another one that we see a lot of growth tons tons Oh yeah, when so let's talk about uh, character development and uh, let's talk about Bobby since we haven't really gotten to touch on him yeah. that much. Um, it's it's really interesting to me that they do decide to like age him up because I think he starts twelve and then he becomes like thirteen, which usually cartoon characters stay like the same mm -hmm. age throughout. Um, and we even see that with his classmates. We see that with Connie. Um, oh my we, God, Joseph! Yeah. Oh yeah, Joseph especially. They like physically change him change and a different voice, voice too yeah it, mm -hmm. sorry oh no, yeah. no no you're you're totally right <laughs> it's just so jarring how much he changes <laughs> freaks everyone out even yeah. in the show everyone's yeah. like <laughs> it's just like just like real life puberty like oh god oh, oh. all of a sudden <laughs> all of a sudden you're disgusting yeah <laughs> yeah i think between the three of them they actually the three of them probably have like the most, I wouldn't say like the most growth, but I would say their storylines do get different over time. I think like as Bobby gets older, they definitely do give him a lot more storylines mm -hmm. about like being an actual teenager, like wanting some more independence, wanting to like go to concerts, especially like wanting to have like girlfriends and stuff like that. Um, whereas like, 
when he first starts the show, he's like so incredibly innocent. Total yeah. dodo. Yeah, <laughs> just a lot of like, like how are you? How do you not get that? Yeah, like he's even just like talking slow, like. Okay. And then later on, he's so funny and insightful and quippy and oh my god, so confident, confident. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's the great part about Bobby is that he is like, he is like undeniably himself. And like the only times that he's not himself, like it's like a specific storyline where he's like trying to change for other people. And at the end, he's not satisfied. Yeah. One of my favorite quotes is by Hank, who is always everything. Bobby's so comfortable in himself. And you could tell that that makes Hank uncomfortable sometimes because Hank is so uptight and uncomfortable with himself. And uh, he will try to like, Bobby will do things that Hank will maybe not approve of. But uh, no matter how much Hank tries to like subtly shame him, Bobby is still just himself Mm -hmm. uh, without trying. And one of my favorite quotes is by Hank, who compares Bobby to mud. Is that right, Amy? Like, mm-hmm. you can't break him down. You can't build him up. He just is. <laughs> he just is. <laughs> mm-hmm. I know. I know. I love Bobby. I love his development. And you're right. Yeah, we do see, like, age progression with all of them. You know, Connie gets her period, which is one of my favorite episodes. Oh, oh it's I can't wait till we get to that one. <laughs> um, she gets her period, and Joseph grows, like, 18 inches and a gross little mustache uh and bobby you know he physically doesn't change at all but he does get a little bit older like i think he starts out at 11 in the show and then he's i think by the end of it he's 13 and that's pretty much where they all stay um so it's nice to see that you don't really see that with any of the other characters you know there's really no birthdays i i can't i can't recall any off the top of my head somebody will correct me i know that but (laughs) please do i don't think there are yeah i can't think of any uh i know that you know hank and peggy have an anniversary but that's you know that's not really the same thing uh (laughs) so but i love to see bobby's development and just him you know from being this kind of dodo and quiet and like huh i don't really know what's going he's not paying attention to anything to being like this really smart uh kind of a ladies man uh, funny and the ever the entertainer and always willing to put on a show for people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he and Peggy, uh, I think in later seasons, kind of their dynamic kind of changes into more like buddies, like who yeah. kind of scheme together. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I know. I love that. Oh, you know what I just realized? We haven't talked about Luann like at all. And she's a, she's a, one of the main members of the Hill household that we have not touched on. And one of my personal favorite characters might be my favorite behind Peggy. Yeah. I love Luann. God, she, what a great character. And definitely, because I was thinking earlier, I was like, has Luann had growth? And yeah, absolutely. She has, Mm. um, I mean, besides becoming a mother, you know, she gives birth and she gets married to Lucky and she creates the manger babies and kind of gets famous a little bit there for with with the manger babies and finally gets her license, her uh, hair and makeups license and (laughs) works as a hotties stylist yeah we see her move out of the house and kind of start to take more responsibility for herself she's she's another one where early on I was like 
I don't think I like her very much. She's kind of annoying too. But as I, again, as I've gotten older, I've come to just really appreciate her as a character. And Amy and I definitely have a habit of falling down these <laughs> deep dive, like mental health, <laughs> like faux therapy, like deep dives into the characters where the more we talk about Luann, the more I'm just like, she's had a really rough childhood too. You know, she oh, comes yeah. from a broken family and <laughs> it gets the discussions get really serious sometimes. And then you think about how much she has, it, she can be like a little odd at times and, and spiteful and, but she's really actually overcome quite a bit and goes on to do even more. Uh, right. throughout the series so mm -hmm. and even for her to break the cycle of speaking of deep <laughs> pseudo therapy even for her to like break the cycle of abuse where she marries lucky who is you know a genuinely caring yeah he's an idiot but he genuinely cares about her and is kind to her and treats her well you know so that's like a huge step compared to, to like somebody like buckley who i mean we all love buckley but he like she was almost invisible He's a him. turd boyfriend. Yeah. <laughs> He's a total turd. He sucks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think um, when I was looking into characters who I thought developed the most, Luann was like, maybe, maybe not top of my list, but definitely up there. Just because I don't know if her personality necessarily changes, but she goes through probably the biggest life changes yeah. out of anyone. Um, uh, Brittany Murphy is so good in her vocal performance. It's just, Amazing. Yeah, so great. I, I love the episodes where Luann like really starts to stand up for herself. Um, and you, you really see her like become a lot stronger as the series goes on, I would say. Mm -hmm. um, some of my favorite episodes are uh, Moving Up, the one where she like actually moves out and she has this like shitty roommate. Yes. Like, oh, it was so yeah, I was, triggering. I was going to say that, you know, as an example of Luann's growth, that's a really good episode to mm -hmm. show that because, you know, she wants to live this life free of Hank and all of his oppressive rules, but then she was like, oh my God, I am becoming Hank because she's, you know, she's becoming an adult with responsibilities and she wants to like be responsible by paying bills and keeping the pool clean and, you know, buying groceries for herself. For herself. So I we even see a, them like having a beer together at the end where it's like, yeah. now you're like equals. I don't know what mm -hmm. I was thinking before. I was like, I think Hank more than anyone has grown the most, but like, no, not at all. Like every, everyone <laughs> has just grown in so many crazy ways. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's a great episode. That's a great one. I love, um, <laughs> this isn't even necessarily personal growth from her, but it's just my favorite Luann episode probably is, um, Luann Virgin 2.0. Oh, yes. Oh. That's one of my all-time favorite episodes. So funny. That episode is so good. And I, again, another one I can't wait to talk about because we've got the whole Luann sideline story. Or, I mean, it's a pretty much a main story. Two main stories of Luann and Peggy. Mm -hmm. And those are some pretty big stories that I, I just love that whole episode. It's so good. Mm-hmm. And of course, the second you say that, I just have this picture of Luann coming out of the water with on her on her nice boobs with her nips out, and she's just like, "I'm a virgin," <laughs> and 
everyone's just like, oh, shit. Oh, <laughs> nice. <laughs> and we just like screaming like... and giggling and her titties are jiggling. And it's, <laughs> it's so good. That's the first image I have. And then, of course, <laughs> of course, <laughs> immediately think of titties. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and we get some great Hank lines in that episode. Mm-hmm. Oh, one of my all time favorite moments when he's like, um, I told you about the time I put on the giant khakis and pretended to be tiny. I was very upfront about it. <laughs> or just him, the Vandergrafts. The way he says the, the last name. The Vandergrafts. <laughs> so yeah, the three of them are like at their funniest in that episode, which I love the dynamic between uh, Peggy Hank and Luann all together as like her pseudo parents. I, yeah can't get enough of that um and then the last luann episode that i highly recommend is um it's also it's mostly a hank episode but there's a great luann storyline and that's um john Vitti presents return to la grunta the one where um he does the the dive with the dolphin the dolphin and then luann is being sexually harassed at her job at the Mm -hmm. the country club and he like stands up for her at Mm -hmm. the end that's a great episode Uh, that's a really important episode actually yes it is dolphins are so great and disgusting at the same time (laughs) there's nothing like it no they look so majestic but my god they are filthy (laughs) (laughs) they're so smart too like i heard of um this one story about this little girl getting her family got murdered on their family cruise to i don't know the caribbean and she was the only one that survived their boat sank and she got stuck on a little raft and she was out at sea for, I don't know, five days. And at one point, a team of dolphins just like, like stayed with her for a couple days. And we're just, and oh you're just like, oh my God, that's amazing. But then you hear like other horrible stories about They were dolphins. probably trying to have sex with her. <laughs> <laughs> but it saved her. <laughs> I guess. Waiting it out. <laughs> They're just waiting that she's yeah. going to fall off that raft one day. Yeah, you never know with dolphins. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dale, um, John Redcorn, yeah. and I don't know why I'm blanking on her name. Oh, Nancy. 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 I don't know why I blanked on Nancy. We have not talked Nancy. about their little, uh, <laughs> their little three-way uh, relationship going on there. The thruple. Yeah. yeah. Um, we talked about that pretty in depth recently, uh, but. If we're going to talk about character growth, I really want to talk about them because Dale has no character growth. He just gets more insane. Um, Not insightful or grows as a person, just gets uh, absolutely. uh, Well, his relationship with his dad, that was a good one. You know, that was a good, like, character growth one. Um, But John Redcorn, I was thinking about him because, you know, it's kind of common knowledge that Jonathan Joss, who voices him, really advocated for him to have more of a story, more of a storyline and character growth, development growth, um, because he didn't want him to just be seen as a trope, as a Native American trope, like a healer, and that's just banging all these wives. So that's where, you know, him having the trying to have a successful band, trying to get his land back. Uh, that he is owed and then you know eventually having this successful music career as like a child's like a kid's musician like a musician for kids shows uh so 
and you also see him, you know, kind of him and Nancy's relationship when it ends, they have, you know, pretty profound moments where he's like, I can't do this anymore. He's like, you know, I'm 34, I'm 35. I've been your side guy for 14 years. I can't do it anymore. And at the end of it, when it's him, Nancy and Dale all talking and he's like, you know, Dale, you've become a true friend. I can't heal your wife anymore. And of course, <laughs> Dale like has no idea that there's a deeper yeah. meaning to heal. <laughs> Dale is immediately like, he's gay. Like that was his, <laughs> that was his reaction to it. Like, okay. <laughs> so it was, it's, I really liked seeing John Redcorn's growth and even Nancy, Nancy, you know, she realizes that she's been unfaithful to Dale and she tries to be a better person and a better partner to him. Um, I mean, you don't see too much with her, but. But John Redcorn too, we like the episodes where we see him struggling with him wanting to connect more with his son, Joseph, mm-hmm. who's his biological son unbeknownst to Dale and and not being able to do that I, we like jumped ahead for a Thanksgiving episode and it was a really it was a really intense John Redcorn episode because he's grappling with not being able to be a father to Joseph who is his son but also um, it's around Thanksgiving so just talking about you know everything that's been taken from him just and his people like throughout mm-hmm. history. And um, it's really a really a, a peek into what he's, he goes through. And I don't know. Yeah. yeah. It's a lot. Heavy stuff. I, How tortured yeah. he is. I, I do think the episode where Nancy kind of like decides to start being faithful to Dale is such a sweet episode they do allow that relationship to like develop a little more and you get to see like what she sees in him because he does like as in his own world as he is like he really like he really does value her like he really does appreciate having like he knows that she's too good for him (laughs) and uh I I do think that's like a really sweet side of him that that I think um I think that relationship gives Dale like another dimension that we kind of miss sometimes. And so I, I really do like that a lot. Yeah, that's yeah. a good point. Yeah. It is easy for me to say that Dale has no growth, but I mean, you know, he, th- like I said, the scenes with his, his dad, when he learns that his dad is gay and he's like, Oh yeah, that's fine. I don't care. <laughs> um, that's nice to see that. And his attempts uh, of like being closer to Joseph, even though they have absolutely nothing in common physically, you know, intellectually, everything, it's not the same. He does want to, you know, he, he loves Joseph and he does want to be close to him. So there's, there's that for, for Dale. (laughs) Those are some things for him. And even the episode where he finally accepts the fact that he's not Joseph's biological father, except that, he believes that aliens, not John Redcorn, right. are yes. Joseph's fa- uh, biological father. It's it's like weird and it's wrong, but it's also like an opportunity for him to like really say like, even though I'm not your biological father, I'm still your father and I love you so much. And mm-hmm. um, so that's really sweet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So before we wrap it up, mm-hmm. we should probably talk about Hank specifically a little bit more. Yeah. 
um, just because we've we've skipped over him a little bit. We did talk about him, but he is he's the titular king of the hill. <laughs> he is. He is. <laughs> so we probably should talk a little bit about um, how he's developed throughout the series and just some of our favorite episodes with him because he is <laughs> he's so funny but in such like a, a different way from everyone else on the show mm-hmm. everyone else is more allowed to have more es- like eccentricities and be a little more out there and uh, mm-hmm. Hank is funny because he is so straight laced and it just it's very different from other characters on the show so he's definitely someone we should talk about. Yeah you know I wasn't skipping over Hank because I don't like him. I love Hank. I think he is a Mm -hmm. wonderful character and you know I I think he's a good guy of course Um, but I do appreciate that you do see him reluctantly grow you know he and having his world view and his mind expand mainly through Bobby. Bobby is like the catalyst of what gets Hank to be a more accepting or who gets Hank to be a more accepting person. So right off the bat, I'm thinking of the sun also roses where um, Mm -hmm. Bobby, you know, he, he originally tries out for the football team, gets the towel manager position. It's a terrible, disgusting job where he's having to wash jock straps oh so obviously he's like i hate this and he gets caught up doing uh growing roses and hank you know uh, uh, in a in a way to try to be closer to bobby but also have it be more relatable to hank like something he can understand he turns it into a competition like he turns it into the rose competition and there's that whole speech where Bobby says, you know, well, I like this rose because it's kind of a little different. Sure, it's short and a little round, but it's got wabi-sabi, and that goes right over Hank's head at first. He's like, yeah, but, you know, it's not perfect. This one is. And then at the very end of the episode, you see Hank being like, oh, okay. He's like, you know, son, you've got a lot of wabi-sabi, and it's a, he sees it as a good thing, finally. He gets it, you know. Bobby's not super concerned with competition and winning things where Hank is, but, and, and that's confuses Hank at first, but then he gets it. He's like, okay, that's, you know, that's not what he's all about. And, you know, we can plant your roses out there and you can take care of them, whatever. I'm fine with it at this point. So just within that episode, we see a lot of growth through Hank and accepting and understanding Bobby as a different person than Hank. Cause he expects his son to be a mini Hank which he's not mm-hmm. at all. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> definitely not. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, it's, my mind is racing because there are so many episodes and Hank's in all of them. Uh, <laughs> but the, uh, the one that comes to mind for me is the one I mentioned before. I think it's the Pretty Pretty Dresses episode mm-hmm. where he, uh, Bill is just losing it and he is waiting for Lenore to come back and she's not going to come back. And finally Bill just cracks and he, becomes Lenore and is wearing her dresses and and everyone's like what are we going to do with him and finally Hank puts on one of Lenore's dresses and he takes on Lenore and you know finally ends things with Bill just to give Bill that closure so he can move past it and um I just I love that episode I it's just yeah so uh I would never expect that from Hank and or 
most people in real life and it's just so just a very different a different side of him very caring and, and tender and thoughtful and yeah well and there's the you know there's the beginning of that episode where you know hank he finally gets pissed off with bill and he comes in there and he does like the tough the tough love kind of move where he's like I'm sick of this shit and like throws the presents, the years old presents and tosses the tree and just kind of like, you know, was like, get over it, get over it. Rah, rah, she's, rah, not which, coming back. she's not coming back. You got to get over it. And then Bill just like slumps down and he's like, how do you feel? You feel better? And he's like, I don't feel anything. And he's like, perfect. Great. That's <laughs> what I want. Peace out. Turns out that didn't work at all. Just sent him into a psychotic break. Yeah. And then finally Hank realizes, okay, he needs a little bit more of a gentle touch here. And he, like you said, Jackie, he is able to put on this dress, which God, would anybody suspect that from Hank? No. But he kind of gets that he needs closure. Like, Bill needs closure because she just up and left him. And like Bill says, you didn't even leave me a Dear John letter, and I deserve that. So Hank really pulls Bill out of this psychotic episode and helps him in ways that no one else could. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah I, think, um, I think something that we do see about Hank as the series progresses is that he is willing to put his his uh ego aside a little bit for the people who he cares about mm -hmm. or even just <laughs> the episode that i love so much is um i think it is called ho yeah the one where he doesn't realize that his coworker is like a prostitute mm -hmm. and then he's mistaken as her pimp mm -hmm. um and I mean, he is, like, once he does figure that out, he is, like, disgusted by it a yes. bit. But, like, ultimately, he does come to her defense and is, like, willing to play the game so that he can help her out. Um, and he does that throughout the series. I mean, the episode, um, the episode where Peggy is convinced that Randy Travis stole her song he did he did, uh, he did. <laughs> that bastard he that blew my mind at the end i was like oh my god he really is stealing her music <laughs> she's not crazy he deserved to drown in that trailer no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, oh i know that, that is such an intense peggy episode but it is it is it, it's one of the episodes where we really see him for once like kind of having to question mm -hmm. his faith in Peggy and ultimately at the end decides like to stand by her and tries her apple brown Peggy that he believes might possibly be poisoned just right. in order to help prove her defense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like he, he will he will put his own opinions aside if he thinks that it's like for the greater good to help somebody mm -hmm. who he cares about. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that whole scene blows my mind where Peggy's like, no, Hank, it's for Randy Travis. She makes it feel so ominous. <laughs> it was fine. She just really wanted him to have it. <laughs> Any of the episodes that he has to interact with Buck Strickland um, mm. just really shows who he Usually is. Usually in the character. bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> because, like, no matter what, no matter how shady... Buck is no matter how much he like put like how much responsibility he puts on Hank with out following through on a lot of promises 
because no matter like how much he proves himself to not be a good boss, Hank just, he believes in meritocracy and he just trusts him so much because that's his boss and he respects authority and he doesn't really care. Like, I forget which episode it is, but it's the one where uh, Buck has like a heart attack and doesn't put Hank in charge. And then yeah. everyone goes on strike and Hank considers like leaving propane business. And ultimately at the end, he decides to go back and help the customer because that's his ultimate like job. And mm-hmm. I that, that says so much about him that like he's, he's not necessarily there for the uh, credit. He genuinely believes in like doing a good job because that's what you're supposed to do. Yeah. The only time we really see Hank be genuinely, well, there's a couple, there's like two times where he's just like, Buck, I'm going to fucking kill you (laughs) is the one where uh, Bobby works for Buck a little, for a little bit. And Buck just goes off the fucking deep end and brings Bobby to a dark alley to wait with like some money and a watch while he goes and, like plays uh, some sort of gambling game and you know Bobby gets chased by these two terrifying men and Hank shows up just in time to save him and he does save Buck too but Buck's like yeah fuck you guys I'm getting away and Hank slows down just enough so they can whop him right in the face (laughs) which I'm sure that's what Hank wanted to do in the moment but he still he still held back but he let somebody else punch buck in the face which is what he deserved <laughs> yeah it's nice to know that that the line for him is bobby because other than that he will put up with so much shit like that episode where buck tries to frame him for murder and then at the very end the only thing that he says is just you know it's just something like well you know i didn't mean to frame you and hank's just like well i guess i understand and then that's just it <laughs> i know he's like i was under a lot of stress you know yeah. and hank's like i guess i guess yeah <laughs> yeah it's crazy i was um i was reading an article i wish i remembered what it was actually called but they were talking about how king of the hill is ultimately like a bipartisan show um because while hank hill is obviously such a conservative character He's not, the, the characters that he has such a big uh, conflict with, it's not necessarily because they are liberal, it's because of the way that they're treating other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and that ultimately, like, his distaste for people has to do with their character over their, like, belief systems. Mm-hmm. Um, Harlot Town episode, where they mm-hmm. find out that, the, <laughs> that Arlen was founded by... Uh, harlots and brothels and yeah sex workers Mm -hmm. but then when he he picks them up off the side of the road and he's like hey you know you guys are all right he's (laughs) still he's still willing to stop and help them out because that's what it's in his character that's what he thinks is the morally correct thing to do is Mm -hmm. you see someone on the side of the road you help them out yeah he's more open-minded than you would expect right Mm -hmm. yeah but yeah I, i just always like it when they purposefully put him in a situation where they're like what could make him the most uncomfortable (laughs) (laughs) i was thinking that that. too i think some of my favorite episodes are the ones where he can't poop or (laughs) we're talking about his um you know like medically tiny ass (laughs) i love that episode that's a good hank growth episode not his his narrow urethra too yeah yeah 
his just whole a- bottom trunk area is, is kind of a mess. <laughs> yeah, it's all too small. It's all too small. Everything's a little too small. Too small. <laughs> well, are there any other characters that you guys want to delve into, or do you think uh, we should wrap it up a little? I want to say just Boomhauer. I, you know, oh. you don't you don't see a whole lot with him, but you do see the one episode where he gets his heart broken, oh, yeah. and it's that's probably well. Actually, there's two. There's the one where his uh, brother is going to marry his ex-girlfriend who he still has feelings for um so you see some like you know okay he's not just a dog you know he actually has had feelings for women before that weren't purely sexual Mm -hmm. and then the other one where he does you know get his heart broken completely by the jogging woman (laughs) that he uh he picks up yeah and it's like it's a really great bill and boomhauer episode uh, cause Bill, who has just been knocked down time after time, after time, after time with women, like he's had his heart broken millions of times and he's the one who like comes in and is like, he, he gives this amazing speech to Boomhauer where he's just like, you're going to get up, you're going to take a shower and put on way too much cologne and a <laughs> tight black t-shirt and you're going to get back out there. <laughs> yep. It's such a good scene for the two of them, like two characters that you really don't ever see interact that much. Yeah. Um, so I, I do, I did like seeing that character development for Boomhauer, which again, you don't really see a whole lot of it, but you do see that he has the capability of not just being the, you know, the confirmed bachelor. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I will say, I guess the last character who we didn't really talk about and there's not too much to say, but we didn't talk about the super nuisance phones. Mm-hmm. Uh, just a blanket statement. I love Min yeah. <laughs> so much. And anytime Peggy and Min and Nancy are together. Yes. It's great. Um, and I love that Khan. I love that Khan gets a little bit more of a backstory uh, mm-hmm. where we see like him really, like really trying to be like as best as he can be in I forget what is the name of that guy who he's always in competition with. Oh, uh, Ted Wasana song. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Any episode where he's like really trying to impress that dude and just like falls short is so humanizing for him. And uh, I, I I love that character so much. Yeah, <laughs> those episodes are necessary because he can be such a shit. Yeah. But um, but yeah, it it really humanizes him. And as I've been rewatching, I've really come to appreciate Min more mm-hmm. also. Mm-hmm. Oh, me too. And I love their relationship. I love Khan and Min's relationship. Like, they are two badasses, and they're sexy, and just, like, <laughs> they're just cool. Like, they're definitely the coolest ones on that block, for sure. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for coming on and talking with me about this show. Um, Thank you for having us. Sorry if we spoke too much. It's- <laughs> no. I- we like talking about it. <laughs> no, I'm so happy that you guys had a lot to say, and I feel like uh, this was great. Go check out their podcast. We are pretty much everywhere that you can possibly get a podcast at. <laughs> yeah, Perfect. and we're uh, we're on Instagram, Hoya Pod, Hoya Pod on Twitter too, right? Yep. And uh, and then we because we got so exhausted with all of the Peggy hate in the Facebook groups, we created our own. Yeah. So <laughs> it's um, what is it, Hoya Pod slash King of the Hill group? Yeah. 
KOTH group. And that's great. We love that. Um, also, we're, we're way more active on our Instagram than anywhere else. But you guys can email us, hello, at hoyapod.com. Oh, you oh. can call us, too. Our phone number is, um, what is it? Uh, Funk 30 Firm, F-U-R-M. <laughs> Good I forget luck. what the numbers really do, but you can uh, <laughs> you can leave us a voicemail at funk three zero f u r m. God damn it, Jackie! <laughs> I I highly suggest you guys go check them out. They're great. They go through an episode of King of the Hill every week and recap it. I forget. Are you guys still doing your ladybird spottings? Yes. I'm waiting for the it. Last one. Yes, yes. We, I think I mentioned Ladybird in the last one, so we're still waiting. We wait for Dale Ass and Ladybird to be seen in the same episode, <laughs> and when that happens, we will all be drinking three shots of tequila. Or if you don't drink, then you have to do like seven hundred push-ups. Yeah, just to get the <laughs> get the, the endorphin. High. Yeah. <laughs> one day the stars will align, and you will get Dale Ass and Ladybird together. <laughs> Can't Finally. Wait. Can't wait. It's going to be exhausting. <laughs> it is. It's going to be a terrible episode. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for having us on, Yeah, Chloe. thank you so oh, much yeah, for having no us. No problem. It was great to talk to you. You too. That's it for today's episode of Unwatchable. And if you liked what you heard today on Unwatchable, please be sure to leave us a review, leave a five-star rating, and follow us on Instagram at Unwatchable with Chloe Rodriguez. I will see you guys next week. Thank you so much for listening. Bye.